you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Sunday. We've already uh, celebrated our graduates. We've celebrated their accomplishments. And although they're not going anywhere, we are uh, sending them out to be world changers. And I know that those that sit on this stage today have a call of God on their life. And and they're called of the Lord and they're going to be world changers. But beyond uh, graduation Sunday, Today is a day to celebrate because today is Pentecost Sunday. It's Pentecost Sunday, y'all. To the Holy Ghost-filled believer, Pentecost Sunday is a day to rejoice because we are living in the promise that Pentecost Sunday brought over 2,000 years ago. Over the last 24 hours, Jewish believers have observed uh, Shabbat, which is is Pentecost. They've celebrated with feasts. They've uh, read the Torah to celebrate the day that uh, Moses was given the Ten Commandments. But to the apostolic church, to the Holy Ghost-filled believer, Pentecost Sunday is celebrated Because it was the day that the Holy Ghost, the promise of God, was poured out on 120 room, 120 in an upper room in Jerusalem. And I want you to know today that the Holy Ghost is still being poured out. It wasn't just for 120, it's still being poured out. And today, On Pentecost Sunday 2023, I believe that the Holy Ghost is going to be poured out in this place. And before we leave here today, I believe that someone can and will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Does anybody else believe that this morning? I'm going to turn your attention to Acts, the second chapter. I know that the screen is not working, and so if you have your Bibles, turn there. You can get it on your phone, or you can trust me that what I'm reading is the Word of God. But we're going to go to Acts, the second chapter, starting at verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord 
in one place. Somebody say they were in unity. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Someone shout, they were all filled. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Dropping down to verse 38. And when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do to be saved? And this was the message that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized. You can quote this with me. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you. Somebody say, that's me. And that promise is unto your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. He's still calling people today. He's still calling people today. I'm going to be speaking to you for the next few minutes from this subject. It's Pentecost. Somebody say, it's Pentecost. Would you lay down your Bibles, raise your hands, and let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we worship you this morning. I'm so thankful to be in your house, Lord. Your spirit has already been here. God, I pray that you would anoint my lips of clay. Help me to deliver the word that you've given. Lord, and we are going to praise you in advance for what you are about to do in this house. And we'll give you praise, and we give you honor, and we give you glory. In the name of Jesus, someone clap your hands as you're seated. The reason that the day of Pentecost is so important is because the day of Pentecost marks the beginning of the church. I don't know about anybody else in this house, but for me, I'm glad to be part of the church. I'm thankful to be part of the church because there is nothing like the church of the living God. The church is where that I find my strength. It's, it's my lifeline. The, this church in, encompasses my tribe, the people that, that I do life with. They're the people that I know that if I can call and, and say, I, I need you to pray, I know that they're going to pray. There's nothing like the church. I wouldn't want to go through this life without being in the church. Acts, the second chapter, is the account of the beginning of the church. It is the written story of the exact moment that the church was established. It records the initial moment that the Holy Ghost was poured out and that the church was birthed. I am a, a, a bit of a history buff when it comes to uh, history of the church. Ask me about world history, and I'm probably going to say 
I don't know, let's just go outside and, and have a party. But when it comes to church history, I love church history. I, I love to study church history. I'm fascinated by early accounts of how the church grew and how the gospel of Jesus Christ spread like wildfire, not just in the U.S., but across the world. I've been so fascinated by the history of the church that I have collected numerous books written about the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in Topeka, Kansas, and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost on thousands of people at Azusa Street in Los Angeles, California, in the early 1900s. In my possession, I have a video series that records firsthand stories of individuals who witnessed the powerful revival at Azusa Street. For our 25th wedding anniversary, my husband planned a trip for us to go to California. Now, it's, it's kind of funny to say that he planned this trip because for the guy who has plans for his plans and plans for those plans, and those plans are all uh, color-coordinated and, and he doesn't miss a thing, he decided that for this particular trip, that spontaneity was going to speak to his bride who loves to be spontaneous and, and loves to have a good time. And so he planned this trip, and he, he booked flights to Los Angeles, and he arranged for a car, and not just any car, he arranged for a convertible. Because he knew that I had always said, one day I am going to have a convertible that is for two people, and I'm choosing who rides in the passenger seat. And so we got there, and the convertible that he had rented was supposed to be a Camaro, and instead they pulled out a Volkswagen Bug, which was <laughs> quite interesting because we're both a little on the tall side, and my husband said, this is not going to work for me. And so they worked around, they got us, got us that Camaro, and, and the only reservation that he made was for that that first night because we were flying into Los Angeles uh, at a very late hour. But other than that, we had three days to explore Los Angeles and to see all of the incredible sights up the infamous Highway 1. And let me tell you, if you've never seen pictures of the sights on Highway 1, you need to look it up because you're going to want to go to California. So in his planning... My husband asked me, what is it, is there anything in particular that you want to do? And I didn't think I want to go to Hollywood and I want to see the Walk of Fame and I want to see the, the infamous Hollywood signs. But I very quickly said, yes, I want to see Azusa Street. And so that first day we drove to the location to Azusa Street, and I really, I don't know what I was expecting. I, I think that somewhere in the back of my mind, I was thinking that, I don't know, there'd be a, a group of people out there singing and worshiping God, or I, I, I don't, I, I guess that must have been what I had in my mind, and I was 
disappointed to see that Azusa Street had had just uh, been reduced to merely uh, a street sign. But I was so caught up in the nostalgia of Azusa Street because Azusa Street is is a historic uh, place for the church. I was so overwhelmed by it. Uh, I was ready. I was ready to start singing. I, I wanted to start singing at the top of my lungs. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I, I wanted to draw a crowd, man. I was I was ready to see people get the Holy Ghost. As a matter of fact, right on the corner, right in front of that street sign that says Azusa Street and a plaque that says this is the, the benchmark of where the Pentecostal movement uh, was birthed in the 1900s. Right on that corner was a building that was for lease. Now, there is no telling how much money it would have cost to have leased that building. But I want you to know I did my best to convince him to lease that building because I wanted to see history repeated. I wanted to see it come to fruition in front of my eyes. I, I wanted to call Scott Graham and say, okay, the, the UPI or UPC needs to go and they need to get this building because we need uh, another revival such as Azusa Street. The book of Acts is the history of the church. It is the the moment in time where the church began. If you want to know about the history, about the birth of the church, you want to go to the book of Acts. Christian Life Church may have been established in 1965, but the roots of this church go all the way back to the book of Acts. The message that is preached in this church was the message that was preached by Peter on the day of Pentecost. You're not going to find the history of the church in Genesis. You won't find it in Isaiah or Romans or Galatians. But you will find the beginning of the church in the book of Acts. How many of you know that it's important to rightly divide the word of God? If you want to know about the church, if you want to know where the church began, you want to go to the book of Acts. 2 Timothy 2 and 15 instructs us to rightly divide the word of truth. Timothy is telling us that we need to be a student of the word, that we need to have a hunger for the knowledge of the word of God because God favors those and approves of those who study his word. And so to have a clear understanding of the church and the plan of salvation, it's important to look in the right place. You won't find the plan of salvation or the beginning of the church in the Old Testament. And, and if you'll allow me, we're just we're going to set a little bit of groundwork here. But we're talking about rightly dividing the word of God. The Old Testament is divided into segments. The first five books are the books of law. It's where you'll find the Ten Commandments. And it's where you'll find the requirements that were given to the children of Israel. Joshua through Esther 
are books of history, and in them you'll find generational promises to God's people, and you'll find their exodus out of Egypt into the promised land. Then in the Old Testament, there are the poetic books, which are Job through the Song of Solomon, and in them you'll find the writings of King David, writings like, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The rest of the Old Testament consists of the major and minor prophets. These are words of warning and words of prophecy to God's people. This is where you will find when Isaiah prophesied the birth of Jesus Christ, when he wrote, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. But notice that nowhere in the Old Testament do you find the establishment of the church. In the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or the Gospels, are written about the life and the times of Jesus Christ. And in them, you'll find accounts of the birth of Jesus, and you'll find accounts of his ministry. And if you want to know about what Jesus taught and what Jesus had to say about things, you're going to find it in the Gospels. In the Gospels, you can read the account of his death, burial, and resurrection. All of these things can be found in the Gospels. We're talking about rightly dividing the word of God, so let's break this down just a little bit more. The book of Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, all of those books were letters that were written to establish churches that had their beginning with the Acts experience. They were written to churches in Corinth and the church in Ephesus and Philippi and Thessaloniki. The New Testament contains Titus and Philemon and Hebrews, James, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John and Jude. And all of these books were letters that were written from the apostles. They were written to certain people of the church. They were written to people in leadership, and, and, and those books dealt with specific topics. And then, of course, there's the book of Revelation, which tells us about perilous times when men would be lovers of the things that are anti-Christ instead of lovers of God. And then Revelations accumulate uh, to the day when Jesus Christ will come back for his bride. He's coming back for the church. He's coming back for the people who have made themselves ready and are looking and anticipating the bridegroom. But if you want to know about the history of the church, if you want to know where uh, the church had its inception and where it was established, if you want to know the prerequisites for being a part of the church, and if you want to know what you must do to be saved, the only place that you are going to find it is in the book of Acts. You're not going to find it in Romans. You're not, you're not going to find it in, in Corinthians. But you are going to find it in the book of Acts. It is the history of the church. 
it's where you'll find the plan of salvation. The book of Acts is where you will find Peter standing up on the day of Pentecost. And, and the, the crowd that was gathered asked them, we are hearing what is happening. Tell us what we must do to be saved. And at the beginning of the church, Peter preached this message. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This was the establishment of the church. This message is Pentecost. The churches in Rome and Corinth and uh, Ephesus and Philippi, they were established as a result of what transpired in an upper room on the day of Pentecost. And I want you to know that CLC was established on what happened and the experience on the day of Pentecost. This room is full of, of individuals who have repented of their sins, who have been buried in the name of Jesus Christ, and who have received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Those churches, the, to the church in Rome and Corinth, they preached Jesus. They held fast to the message of the gospel. They proclaimed the salvation message that was preached on the day of Pentecost. They had already repented of their sins. They had been baptized in Jesus' name. They had received the gift of the Holy Ghost. I want you to know today that the plan of salvation has not changed. It has not changed. There are no other requirements. God is still calling people to repent. You still must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You still need to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I want you to know that the Holy Ghost is still being poured out today. Today, if you have not received the gift of the Holy Ghost, I want you to know today is the best day to make a decision to be a part of the church. If you've never repented of your sins, today is a great day to repent of your sins. If you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus, we have water, and today is a great day to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And if you have not received the gift of the Holy Ghost by evidence of speaking in other tongues, today is your day. The Lord wants to give somebody the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody, it's Pentecost Sunday. This is Pentecost. The Holy Ghost is being poured out. Can you worship him for it? Can you thank him for it? Many people believe that the Holy Ghost was only for those in the early church. My great-grandparents were immigrants to the United States 
um, from Germany. And when they came to America, they, they brought with them a strong belief in God that, that was built around uh, a denominal faith. My uh, great-grandparents, they, they loved the Lord with all of their heart. They, they truly did seek the Lord. But they believed in uh, the Trinity. They believed that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost were three distinct individuals. They didn't adhere to Deuteronomy 6 and 4 that says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. They believed in baptism, but not by submersion in the name of Jesus Christ like Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. A cousin of my great-grandmother came to the knowledge of the oneness of of God, that he came to the knowledge that that God uh, made himself a fleshly body. He robed himself in flesh, the scripture says, and, and he dwelt among us, and he was born of a virgin and died on the cross for our sins and resurrected and ascended into heaven and sent his spirit, which is the Holy Ghost, to live in us. Not three individual beings, but one. All the fullness of the Godhead dwelt bodily in Jesus Christ. My, my great-grandmother's cousin was baptized in Jesus' name and, and received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And he was so excited about this this new experience and, and what had been revealed to him in the scripture that he wanted his family to experience what he had experienced. So he traveled to their home in Barberton, Ohio, and began to share with them this Pentecostal experience, this Book of Acts experience. But it offended my great-grandmother greatly because she felt that that what he was saying to her was an insult to his faith because she loved the Lord. She, she was doing uh, everything that, that she had knowledge to serve the Lord. But uh, she resisted the fact that there could be more to salvation than what she understood or what she had experienced. This cousin would come day after day to their house, and my great-grandmother would would get angry at him and, and would argue and debate him and, and would defend uh, her, her beliefs. But secretly, she began to read Acts for herself. She wanted to know for herself what the Bible had to say. And soon, uh, she, after, after her studying and praying, she began to question if there was anything to this new experience that her cousin was talking about. She was so stirred that she began to pray this prayer. God, if there is anything to this Holy Ghost, I want it. I want to have it. If this is true, I want to receive the Holy Ghost. And it was in the middle of one of those very prayers that in her home, she began to speak in a heavenly language, and God filled her with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Soon after. 
afterwards, my great-grandfather received the Holy Ghost. And my great-great-grandmother received the Holy Ghost. And my great-grandmother's brothers and sisters received the Holy Ghost. You know where I'm going with this. And then all five of her children received the gift of, her, of the Holy Ghost. And her grandchildren received it. And her great-grandchildren received it. And her great-great-grandchildren received it. And just like Peter declared on the day of Pentecost, for this promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, every generation, as many as the Lord our God shall call. I want you to know that the Holy Ghost is for you today. The Holy Ghost is for you today, May 28th, 2023. The Holy Ghost was not just for 120 in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. It wasn't reserved for the early church and then withheld from the people of God, but the Holy Ghost is for us today. It's Pentecost Sunday. The Holy Ghost is still being poured out. And I want you to know that you ought to receive the Holy Ghost today. There's nothing like experiencing the Holy Ghost for yourself. You ought to want to be a part of the church. The church is alive and the church is well, and the church is prospering, and the church is moving forward. It's a perfect church made up of imperfect people, but it's a glorious church, and it's a splendid church, and it's a church for everybody, as many as the Lord shall call. It's not a white church. It's not a black church. It's not a Hispanic church. It's not an Asian church, but it's the church. It's God's church. It's the bride of Christ. I want to be a part of the church. Do you want to be a part of the church? Why don't you praise him right now for the church and for this apostolic Pentecostal experience? The church that had uh, its beginning of the book in, uh, uh, in the book of Acts has no end. There's something important to notice about the book of Acts. 25 books in the New Testament end with the word amen. And amen simply means let it be or it is done. But Acts is different. It doesn't end with the word amen. Acts was not meant to end. Pentecost was not meant to end. The outpouring of the Holy Ghost was not meant to end, but it was meant to continue for generations until the Lord comes back. That's why Peter said on the day of Pentecost that the promise of the Holy Ghost was for you and your children and as many as the Lord will call. It wasn't a one-time message 2,000 years ago. It wasn't just an experience for Bible days, but it's still Pentecost today. It's 
still the message for the church today. It is still the message to repent of your sins. It's still the message of the church to be baptized in Jesus' name and to receive the Holy Ghost. And I want you to know that the, that the Holy Ghost is here today. And somebody in this house can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Do I have any believers? Do I have any witnesses who have received the gift of the Holy Ghost? to how the church grew in the book of Acts. On the day of Pentecost, 120 were filled with the Holy Ghost, and then 3,000 were filled with the Holy Ghost, and then 5,000 were filled with the Holy Ghost. God was pouring out his spirit in miraculous ways, and he is still pouring out his spirit today. Thousands upon thousands of people have been filled with the Holy Ghost in the Philippines and in Ethiopia, in El Salvador. There was a mighty revival that uh, was happening in India where people were being filled by, with the Holy Ghost by the thousands. The Holy Ghost is falling in Bolivia and in Iran, in Austria, and in the United States. The Holy Ghost is falling in Madagascar in Malawi, in Thailand, in Greece, all across the globe. It is estimated that there are over one million people in the country of China who have been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is being poured out all over this world. And it is not to end, but it is to continue. The Lord declared in his word, in the last days, saith the Lord, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, every nation, every country, every region of the world, because it's still Pentecost. I know that it's Celebration Sunday, and I know that it's summer nights, and, and there is lunch being prepared for us. But it is Pentecost Sunday. It is Pentecost, and God is ready to fill somebody with the Holy Ghost. I'm going to say it again until I get somebody who believes it with me. God is ready to fill somebody with the Holy Ghost. You can stand with me. Maybe you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, but I want you to know that the Holy Ghost is for you, and you can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost today. Maybe it's been a long time since you've spoken in a heavenly language, but God is able to renew it in you again today because it's Pentecost Sunday, and the Holy Ghost is here and the Holy Ghost is available to everyone. If you want that Pentecostal experience that I have been talking about, 
I don't want you to be shy about it. I want you to make your way to this altar. If you've never received it or you, you it's been a long time and you want to receive it again, the church needs to find somebody next to them. You need to go ahead and bring them to the altar because the Lord is wanting to fill someone with the Holy Ghost. It isn't hard to receive the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that it's a gift. It's a gift that is promised. Go ahead and make your way to the front. Don't be shy about it. Come on up. It is a gift, and that gift is for you. If I were to say, I'm going to give this Bible to somebody, and I'm going to hand it, and I'm going to say, Stacy, I'm giving you this gift. What is she doing? She reaches out, and she takes it because it's a gift. The Lord has promised the gift of the Holy Ghost, and it's for you. All you have to do is reach out and grab it. All you have to do is, is tell him, I want the Holy Ghost, and begin to worship him for it. If you don't know what to do, just simply begin with repentance. Repentance is simply saying, Lord, I'm sorry for the things I've done. Come on, church. It's about, it's, I'm sorry for the things I've done. If we say we don't have sin, we're a liar. That's what the word says. Every one of us have fallen short. If you don't know what to do, begin with repentance. Tell him you're sorry for your sin. And then simply accept his forgiveness and begin to worship him. And as you worship him, that God is going to take that worship over. And your worship may start sounding a little different, but that's okay. That's the Holy Ghost. How many of you want to experience the Holy Ghost in this place? Come on, young people. How many want to experience the Holy Ghost in this place? Would you lift your hands all over this place? I'm going to pray a prayer of faith. And then I want you.